Raymond, today is a huge day for me on the Goldcast. As you know, brother, I have been hating the Chiefs for an entire year. A team that I love, a team that is the, the brother of the 49ers. This is a team that I have been rooting against, a team that I have I put a hex on. See, that's a hex. It's a that's when you when you want to do a hex. You you put your hands in this position, you go, and that, that makes a hex. And it worked. It worked. It it actually worked. So I've decided, Raymond, though, today on this episode is our reconciliation. I will return my love to the Chiefs now that this one year is over. My one year ban of loving the Chiefs has ended. So forgiveness. So you you've you learned from all of our time in Catholic school about the principle of forgiveness. So will you be applying this principle to other hated rivals such as, oh, I don't know, the Seahawks? Oh, hell no. That is not forgiveness. That is hatred. Through hate, we love. And sometimes <laughs> you have to hate to love. So in order for me to love the Niners, I must hate the Seahawks. That's just the rule. Now, Raymond, before we get started, why don't you let them know where can they find the Goldcast? You can follow us on Instagram at the Goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast. And you can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere that podcasts are syndicated, we can be found under the moniker The Goldcast. And if you're on the YouTube, make sure you like, subscribe, and hit the little notification bell because that's how it works over there. And leave a comment section because that also ties into the algorithm on the YouTube platform. And besides, we want to hear your opinion anyways because whether you agree with us or disagree with us, your opinion matters. And we always like to have a interesting dialogue. Absolutely. Your opinion matters, uh, but mainly if you agree with us. If you disagree with us, you will see the overall point system for your opinion drop tremendously in our world, just so you know, just so you're aware. So, Raymond, we have a huge episode's first-time guest. My buddy, the most diehard Chiefs fan I know, Trevor James, is coming on to the gold cast and uh, we are here to make good with the Chiefs. I am here to make good with the Chiefs. You've been pretty good with the Chiefs all year long. But this is our, as promised, our 49ers Chiefs reconciliation episode. But first, the greatest intro in the game is about to drop. You're Professor of Fanalism. I'm in the building. The greatest fanalist in the game. He's here too. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. All right, and then introducing his first time ever on the Gold Cast. We've been talking about doing this for a long time. It is my dear friend and the most diehard Kansas City Chiefs fan I know, Trevor James. What's up, buddy? Welcome to the Goldcast. Hey, Rudy. It's so good to see you, man. How you doing? It's really good to see you too, buddy. 
Uh, so we were talking about this a couple weeks ago about putting together this episode. We promoted it last week. This is our 49ers Chiefs Reconciliation Podcast. <laughs> Long time coming. Long time coming. The I always say the brothers of the NFC and the AFC West, the 49ers and the Chiefs, very similar uniforms, long storied histories. Both had the GOAT play for both teams. You know, Joe Montana wore both jerseys, uh, you know, and was the most successful quarterback for both teams ever until Patrick Mahomes came. And now he is without question the most successful quarterback the Chiefs have ever had, the best quarterback he's ever had. So there's a but there's a long storied history between us as far as trades and big players going back and forth between between us. And then last year goes down. Yeah. <laughs> we 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 go to the Super Bowl, which was agonizing. It was agonizing for me. I was like, I did not want to play the Chiefs. Actually not because not because I was afraid of the Chiefs. I wasn't scared of the Chiefs. I'm sure the Chiefs weren't scared. You guys weren't scared of us. I just didn't want to play the Chiefs. I felt like I was like fighting my, it was like civil war. I was like, I don't want to play this. I love the Chiefs. I don't want to have to play the Chiefs. One of us is going to go home heartbroken. Yep. This is going to really suck, you know? And of course it was us. <laughs> we went home heartbroken. We, we, we had seven minutes left to go in the game. And I thought we had it. I really did. And I did too. And, did you too? Oh, yeah. And by the way, I just want to commend you again for the fact that you had to watch that game surrounded by about 200 um, rowdy Chiefs fans, and you took it with absolute class and dignity. I, if it were me, I would have found a corner and gone to cry in it. <laughs> like, that, that was tough. That was tough to do, but man, that was, yeah. So I just want to commend you again for that. I appreciate it. I totally appreciate it. Yeah, man, that was crazy. I will say this. So... You know, we're at seven minutes left, and Mahomes rallies that huge play. Bosa's chasing him on his heels. He's backpedaling at 15 yards. He throws that giant bomb, which pretty much starts to ignite the comeback, if memory serves me correctly. I only saw that game one time, and that one time, that was it. You guys win, and I, I'm not I'm, – so so those for, for context for everyone uh, on the Goldcast, if you don't remember or if this is your first, first uh, season listening to us, uh, I work at a Chiefs bar. I work at the biggest Chiefs bar in all of Los Angeles. So there was literally, like you said, maybe 250, maybe 300 people in there. I mean, it was – It was a lot. It was packed. We had a line about two hours before the game that went around the corner up the hill. I mean, it was – bananas and I turned when the Niners lost I turned away from the crowd and put my hands on the back bar and just kind of sat there with my head down I must have sat there for like 10 minutes <laughs> I did not and in in that same position the whole time yeah I was like this I was like <sighs> I was just like just looking around just kind of shaking my head I was just like I just could not Look at the festival going on behind me. It was just, it hurt so much. And all the bartenders were, were like, don't, don't talk to Rudy. Like, like someone tried to come up and they're like, hey, it, it, just, you need to not talk to him for a while. Just let him sit there in mourning. And I remember you were wearing your Niners shirt too, which I, I respect back to that because you got to represent your team. Got to represent the team. I was wearing my Niners shirt. I brought my big Niners jacket. Do you remember this? So uh, this is this is my favorite moment of the day, and the only like victory I had was when uh, when the Niners first scored. 
I had a, a group of little buddies that were all like Niner fans in that one corner with me, and we started a Let's Go Niners chant. I do remember and, that. And then the whole Chiefs got quiet, and they all booed us. Everyone booed me. And then I yelled, uh, uh, I'm not in here with you. You're stuck in here with me. <laughs> 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 Which is a famous line from uh, the comic book Watchmen. Rorschach says it to the whole jail. In, 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 and uh, But a testament to the Chiefs fans. So I put on my big-ass gold Niner jacket. They call that the legacy jacket of the Bay Area. It was real popular during the dynasty. Super. That was my It's a gorgeous jacket. jacket. Thank you. That's my father's actual jacket. It's my, fa- my father wore that. During the, he told me a great many beers were spilled during the during this era on this jacket. So as I'm leaving, I am fully prepared for all of the Chiefs fans, Trevor, to just troll the hell out of me. Give me so much shit. Talk hella crap mm-hmm. to me. And not a single fan did. I had a couple people apologize to me. I'm sorry for your loss, man. It was a great game, though. Hey, you guys played a hell of a game. And every I was I would say maybe like ten to twelve people stopped me on the way out, and not a single one. You know what that is? That's the that's the Midwest. That's you could tell who's actually from KC. We just apologize for everything. <laughs> you could hit us with your car, and we'll apologize for you know being too close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it was a. Uh... It was, uh, it was, I was, I was very impressed that like, I, I can't promise that Niner fans would have been that nice. I don't really know. You know, I don't really know. Uh, depends, depends what part of the Bay you were in. Yeah, it does. Cause San Francisco itself, San Francisco proper, we're, we're extremely friendly and pretty nice people. Like we're not very aggressive people at all. Um, but then that started my year long hatred of the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. I was rooting against you guys the entire year. Even the Super Bowl, you were, I was like, Rudy, are you a Bucks fan now? Um, <laughs> but one last thing I'll say about last year's is that, like, honestly, when it, we won, because we really didn't think we were going to. It looked really bad for us. And then when we did, I think that night was the closest thing I've ever experienced to world peace. On, like, I'm not even kidding because we, everyone in there was just hugging each other and high-fiving. We're all complete strangers. It was just like absolute collective euphoria. Just like every, like you turned around and saw anybody and you were like, yeah, Chiefs, you know, hugging them. It was the best. Dude, oh, I, as, as someone who has witnessed a tremendous amount of championships, especially this last 10 years, it's been an insane roller coaster. That euphoria never gets old. It's the best feeling to conquer and win the Super Bowl. Now, but see, I got to tell you something, though. This is kind of interesting because uh, Raymond had a different feeling. And I'll let Raymond explain. Raymond's been very quiet on this episode so far. Uh, I rooted all year against the Chiefs. Raymond chose all of you guys in fantasy. He had literally, <laughs> it was like the starting roster of is like his entire team was the Chiefs in fantasy all year long. He then ha- he then rooted for you guys and was rooting against the Bucks. Which, uh, if you uh, now depending on where you go, like in- 49ers Instagram was very heavily on the Bucks side. There was like you know revenge for last year. Go with the go with the hometown favorite. Go with the kid who who the 49er raised uh, Tom Brady. 49er fan raised Tom Brady. But Raymond, I'll let you explain yourself. What what was it? Why why did you not have the same? disdain for the Chiefs that I did this year. 
Well, I think one of it was that I had Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill on my fantasy team all year long. So every time they did amazing things, which was pretty often, and I made the playoffs, um, it was uh, it was always fun to watch. And then when it got to the Super Bowl, I was if if it was any other team other than a Tom Brady led team, I would have been totally by your side rooting against the Chiefs. But the fact is, I did not want to see that rerun for the seventh goddamn time. And um, and so I that to me got under my skin more than watching the Chiefs win back to back. And so I did not want to see that at all. And even friends that I texted, they were just like, oh, they're, they're like, uh, th- th- someone told me something about the game. And I said, I'm not even watching the game. I said, I don't care. I don't want to see this. And then, they, and, then, and, then <laughs> and then the text back is they said, yeah, that's true. I, I've seen this rerun too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let me ask you, Trevor, going into this game against the Bucks, how were you – were you nervous? Were you like, we got this. We got Patrick Mahomes. It's a wrap. Were you like, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, where were you on the on the, on the the scale of what you believed was going to happen last Sunday? You know, I've come up with an analogy, actually, for what I felt and then what I felt dur- during the game. Uh, it felt like if you were to go to a casino and uh, you feel like you know there's a possibility that you're going to lose all the money you came with and you're prepared for that possibility but given the circumstances like you feel pretty good about your odds you think it'll be you know fun and then on your way into the casino you get mugged uh that's basically how it felt because i was like i was watching the game like we're not even playing we're just kind of there um but uh but that was like yeah that was rough but before the game i felt I knew the offensive line was going to be an issue. Um, that was my main concern. Every, everywhere else I felt pretty reasonably confident. Um, but yeah, that offensive line really turned out to be a much bigger issue than even I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, to be honest, when uh, around halftime, my dad called me and he goes, I feel like I've seen this game before. I feel like I saw this exact this exact game plan used a year ago against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I was like, yeah, I was like I was like they're executing it at a higher level, but that's because the the O-line's so banged up. I was like, but that was like I I told him I was like we we literally we were sitting there going, this feels like they basically just ran the same playbook we ran a year ago, you know? Um the dif- the difference was that O-line was so banged up that Mahomes I mean, Mahomes was running for his. I mean, Mahomes was running for his life a lot last year in the Super Bowl too. You know, I mean, he had said he, you know, he interviewed. He was interviewed after saying that was the toughest defense he'd ever gone against. And, um, but I mean, the this year that O line against against this this front four, it. I mean, it looked like it, they they looked like they were like the 1985 Chicago Bears or something. I mean, like it looked like they looked like the greatest old line, uh, defensive line you've ever seen, you know? They just didn't have a chance. We, you know, we were missing both of our starting Pro Bowl tackles. We, over the course of the year, we had like four or five other guys either opt out or get injured. So we were having, we were basically having backup guards try to play left and right tackle. It was all bad. Like, it's just not going to work, you know? Yeah, it was tough. And also, you know, uh, the Chiefs have like a really – high-flying, you know, very kind of exciting, electric, big play, big pass, you know, heavy, heavy pass-style offense. And Mahomes, 
you know, it, it's it's Mahomes is kind of already in, very shortly in his career has kind of become like Russell Wilson, right? Like, doesn't matter how banged up this team is, we got Russell Wilson, right? Like, doesn't matter doesn't matter how down how much we're down by, we got Russell Wilson, and that's kind of the same thing we've been saying for Patrick Mahomes, right? Doesn't matter. He's come back from double being down double digits. You know, last year three playoff games in a row, including the Super Bowl, we got Patrick Mahomes, and it just felt like. Like the luck had run out just a little bit on that, right? Like, it, like at the same time, you know, Mahomes is still only one guy. I mean, that you know, it, it's it's eleven guys out there, and the O line, it's the biggest weapon a quarterback has. I mean, more than wide receivers, more than a running back. In my opinion, the O line is the most important weapon that a quarterback has, and it just finally it just got stretched too thin, and. Um, but there was, you know, there was just there, that pressure was so intense. And, and a lot of times there's like those high, crazy, you know, death defying passes that he needs to have and have happen in that split second. Like it, they just weren't going the Chiefs way that day. You know, like two or three of those passes get caught, you know, and you probably you, you it's a different game. Uh, and yeah, they should have been caught, too. And if they had been caught, we'd be looking at some of the, you know, greatest plays ever. Um, but yeah, the O-line. And the other thing was we just waited way too long to establish a running game, in my opinion. We, we, you know, we can become so dependent on Mahomes. We didn't really give the ball to, like, Clyde Edwards-Zelaire until the third quarter when you saw him break off a couple of pretty impressive runs. But by then it was already, you know, too late, and, you know, we had to go right back to the aerial attack. So for the Bucks defense, there was no guessing, you know what I mean? Uh, it was – had we been able to work that out earlier, it might have really worked in our favor, but – so, how did you feel after the game? I called you personally. You did. I called Trevor Raymond. I called him personally to let him know that, uh, sorry for his loss, I do not like to troll people when they lose in the playoffs and, and the Super and Championships. You know that, Trevor. That's like my big rule. I, I really, I had someone troll me after the 2012 Super Bowl, which was the worst loss of my sporting life unfortunately the Chiefs one wasn't as bad because I'd already been beaten down before by 2012 2012 was the worst sporting loss of my life that I that I didn't watch sports I didn't watch sports till June till the NBA finals I didn't even turn on ESPN from February to the NBA finals I didn't even watch ESPN that's and you know how much I watch sports that's how sad I was you didn't watch baseball (laughs) Nope, skipped most of baseball. Skipped it all. I was so sad. Uh, but so I, was, I wasn't quite as heartbroken this time, but where were you? On a scale of 1 to 10 sports sadness, where, where were you? Where are you? I, I'd say I was probably like a solid 9. Uh, now I'd say maybe maybe like 5 or 6. You know, it's gotten better. Um, you know, it'll still kind of always hang over our head a little bit, but I have had some time to kind of, you know... Uh, deal with my emotions a little bit that day i was just bad i i just it felt because it didn't it didn't feel like you know we were really it didn't feel like a real chiefs game like i was even until the fourth quarter i thought we were gonna eventually come back and make it interesting at least um so yeah it just felt like i was watching a a movie almost so i was just trying to like i kind of just tried to shut it out completely kind of how you're describing and just not think about it you know go to work the next day try to distract myself not watch ESPN, not watch anything for like a week or two. Um, yeah, it's just, I'm just eager to start next year. There's a lot of questions around what the team is going to look like, but I'm just eager to get back to it, try to win another one, and be happy for summer next of 2022, you know? 
You know, I think that's very much in play, though. I mean, there is a strong possibility the Chiefs go to three Super Bowls in a row. That's very much in play. Um, it's a, Yeah, that's true. You, you almost did already. You know, uh, question is, let me ask you, what what is, because I don't follow the Chiefs that closely. So where, what, um, what are the question marks going into this coming season? What, what are the, where are the places that you're most concerned about? What changes could happen to the team? Well, obviously, you know, we got the O-line. Um, Fisher and Schwartz, in theory, are supposed to return, but they're both past 30. They're coming off major injuries. We had a couple guys opt out, but again, who knows how they're going to look after a year of not playing. But one of whom was actually a rookie that we drafted last year. He was This is supposed to be his rookie season. His name is um, Lucas Nyang out of, uh, I believe it's TCU, and he looks really, really good. So I hope he can kind of come back and, um, you know, play up to his, uh, up to his talent. Um, the other, of course, you know, with the salary cap, we're most likely going to have to cut somebody. I think my gut says we're going to probably cut Sammy Watkins just because he's never available. But we need a solid, reliable number two receiver because we have McCole Hardman, but he hasn't really gotten all the way to what we, we thought he'd be. Um, so I think we need, outside of, you know, obviously Hill and Kelsey, we need a solid, like, number two receiver who can really, you know, uh, kind of manipulate the defense a little bit. And on the defensive side, I'm really happy with our secondary our secondary is in my opinion this year was very underrated in terms of like pass coverage um linebacker and pass rush is hit or miss you know we got chris jones we have frank clark they're you know they they're beasts but you know it's it's sometimes it feels like it's just them doing it by themselves um solid linebacker too to really kind of stop uh you know the running game of the opposing team would be beneficial we had willie gay uh, that we also drafted this year, and he missed most of the playoffs because of an injury. But when he actually got starting, he was looking really good. The same with um, with uh, Legarius Sneed, who we I think he's the steal of the draft. We he was a fourth round corner that we took out of Louisiana Tech, and I've been telling Louie about him all year. I've been texting him like this guy's going to be a Pro Bowler in a couple years, and every time he makes a play, I just text him Sneed. Um, but yeah, <laughs> if I had to summarize, I'd say. O-line, linebacker, and receiver. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think is your biggest threat to, uh, to getting back to the Super Bowl? Who is the team? Who's the team in the AFC if you're like, yeah, in one, if there's one team in the AFC that can possibly upseat you for a chance at the Lombardi, who would that team be? Well, as of right now, I'd have to go with the Bills just because of how dominant they looked pretty much all year. Um... It's tough, though. You can never count out Baltimore because they can just look unbeatable sometimes. Um, Indianapolis, if they, depending on what they do at quarterback, I think if they get a truly great quarterback um, or even like a, an above-average quarterback, I think they can be dangerous with that defense and that O-line. Um, you got other teams that are up and coming, like the Browns and the Dolphins. They, they have potential. I think Tennessee, you know, they can make noise, but... I honestly pick those three. Indy is contingent on quarterback, but I'd honestly say uh, Buffalo and then um, uh, Baltimore. Nice, Raymond. Who do you think? Who... Unless the Broncos get Deshaun Watson, and then it's all over. <laughs> That's true. Whoever, wherever Deshaun Watson goes, we are in trouble. Raymond, who do you believe is the biggest threat to the Chiefs going into next season? I would put Buffalo at the top of that list as well. I think they're the most balanced team in the AFC. 
uh, even more balanced than Baltimore and Kansas City. It's just a matter of a little bit more consistency on defense, and then they'll be pretty difficult to beat. And I think if they get a bona fide running back, they'll be unstoppable, in my opinion, because that's the big thing that they're missing. They don't really have a bona fide running back. I mean, they have Zach Moss and uh, um, I forget the other uh, running back. But they, they have a one-two punch there, but they're both kind of average, in my opinion. Stephon Diggs really opened up the passing game for them offensively. But uh, to me, it's defense and running game that they need to shore up. If they can shore up those two areas and they're already a fantastic team, I think they'll be unstoppable if they're able to get better at those two positions. But uh, they don't really have much 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 more to do in terms of, you know, getting over the hump, you know, you, you got to the AFC championship. So they're, they're knocking on the door. So they're really not that far off Baltimore a little bit. I just feel like that style of offense is just always going to be exploitable because it is a one trick pony style offense. It's high running game, improvised running from Jackson, and then, you know, passing between the numbers. That's really all it is. And to me, that's really easy to beat. And, even though they looked better this year than, than they did uh, the previous season, or at times they looked better in the playoffs, I should say, than they did last year. They weren't one and done this year, but at the same time, they still got exposed. And, you know, there was times uh, Lamar Jackson just didn't look the same this year as dominant because we all thought, we all knew, I told you last year, this was the last season he was going to have, you know, he was going to look like a, you know, a bona fide starting running back, you know, a la Barry Sanders. He wasn't going to have another season like that. He's still going to have moments, but teams are now, you know, it only takes a season for the NFL to catch up to you. You have one year of surprise. And then after that, you know, you, you, everything kind of scales down back a little bit until you readjust. And unless he readjusts and gets better as a passer, then I just kind of see more of the same coming out of Baltimore. Trevor, how do you feel about the Niners if we're fully healthy going into this next season? Whew. Honestly, I think you guys will go right back to the top of the NFC. Um, this year, although it may, might not feel like it yet, I think this past season might have ended up being a blessing in disguise because now you get to have a higher draft pick again, kind of like the year before you guys went to the Super Bowl. You guys were number two. You took uh, you know, Nick Boza, of course. Um, you know, Time with all your guys to get healthy have a higher draft pick, maybe bring in a, another free agent or two with your whatever, I'm not sure what the Niners salary cap um, situation is like, but if you can just bring back, obviously, you know, I'm sure, I think the defense is probably going to miss Robert Sala. Adjusting to a new scheme um, might take some time, but, um, you know, we'll see what happens with the quarterback if they stick with Jimmy G or not, but, you know, Defense and running game is timeless, in my opinion. And if you can beef up everything else even a little, a little bit more than it already was, uh, you know, obviously the division that you're in is getting tougher and tougher, especially now that, you know, the Rams, the Seahawks, and even the Cardinals are better than they were. Um, but to me, you know, you got the Bucks, of course, and like, you know, the Packers, but, you know, the Saints are kind of on a decline. You know, the other NFC, like top teams, um, I just don't see anyone who in the NFC who I can say is like definitively better than a healthy Niners, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And, you, you know, even this year, this year, all year, even through the postseason, you know, I'd be talking to Niner fans and we'd all say the same thing. We're like, the Niners could have totally run the tables this year. Like, I didn't really think the NFC was that competitive. I thought it was actually a lot more mixed bag over there. I thought the AFC looked a lot stronger this year. I thought the AFC was going to come out winning this year, for sure. 
Um, the 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 NFC wasn't scared of the Saints, wasn't scared of the Packers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers played great, but again, just another you know another Packers collapse in the in the postseason when it mattered most. You know, and and um, yeah, none of those teams scared me. The Bucks. The Bucks looked looked really good from from their first playoff game on. I mean, they just like locked in. They went on that run. They went on that Baltimore Ravens run of 2012, that New York Giants run of 2011, you know, wild card versus the number 1 seed. I mean, they just, you know, it was like you see this happen every two or three years in 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 the playoffs where a team that's, you know, good, sometimes great, but not consistently great just lock in and hold on for, you know, four, three to four straight games to win the whole thing. And, you know, we see this from time to time happen. Um, It's just, it had been a while. It had been a while since we'd seen a team go from wild card all the way to take it all. You know, it's pretty much most of this last decade, it's been the number one and number two seeds facing each other or, you know, or some version of that facing off in, in the Super Bowl to take the whole thing. We hadn't really seen a team go on a run like this in quite some time. Yeah, the Bucks. you know, I think what happened is they finally started to look how we all thought they were going to look from the beginning of the season and didn't. So I think people kind of, you know, forgot about them a little bit. You know, they were the five seed of the playoffs, I think. And then they finally put it together because on paper, you look at that team and you're like, yeah, of course they're going to go off. But then they just weren't. So everyone was like, oh, maybe it's not clicking. Maybe the chemistry is not right. And then they finally put it all together and we saw what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We did. Um but yeah, they finally did do put it together. And like you said, it was. It was like this is the team we expected to be coming out of the gate. But having said that, I don't know. I mean, I, I also didn't believe that the Bucks would ever get out of anything other than the wild card round. I thought for sure they were going to be gone in the divisional against the Saints. I thought for sure they were going to be gone against the Packers in the NFC Championship. Um, and to be honest, for most of the first for most of the first week, Leading into the Super Bowl, I was like, I think the Chiefs, the Chiefs got this. There's no way the Bucks are going to win. And it wasn't until the O line stuff. I thought about Mahomes' foot, which you know he he was looking pretty banged up at the end of the game. You know, clearly limping. Uh, but but as I really started to kind of listen and watch all the analysts and and just kind of hear all the arguments surrounding each team. I started to go. I think the Bucks have this. Actually, actually, I actually think the Bucks are going to win just based on on the matchup. It's a it's a bad matchup for the Chiefs right now. May, maybe five five months ago it wasn't. Maybe even three weeks later from then it wouldn't have been. But just for that exact moment in time, it felt like a bad matchup. You know, it was just not. It, the the Bucks presented um, a lot of problems. They presented a lot of problems for a lot of teams. You know, uh, going into the postseason. But having said that, I still don't believe they're going to go back to back. I know Brady says it. I'm like, I don't think this is happening. Uh, uh-uh. not 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 with the healthy Niners. I was like, mm, I don't know, I don't know, Brady. You still got to go through us. You you haven't played us yet, uh, and that's uh, you haven't played Kyle Shanahan with his fully loaded 49ers team. That's a tough one. Uh, here's a question for you. Do you, uh, first one is Deshaun Watson still going to be on the Texans come training camp? That's the first question. Not willingly, he won't. Um, no, I think, I mean, unless something miraculous happens to where he just changes his mind about the organization itself, because it sounds like his problems are really with, like, the higher-ups of the Texans, and that seems to be everyone's, you know, when you hear DeAndre Hopkins talk, J.J. Watt, 
you know, Andre Johnson. That seems to be the problem with everyone. So unless something miraculous happens to where everything's changed and now he really want to, wants to play for them, I think if he just kind of maintains his position and was like, hey, I'm, I don't want to be here, I think it's in their best interest to just get however much they can, like, in a trade and just start from scratch. So now I don't I just don't see him still being there. Like maybe like train nah, like probably not not probably not by training camp, no. It se- it seems like they're starting over cuz JJ Watt requested a, an outright release and got it. Yeah. Well, and and I, like we've said before, I just don't think he wants to play there. He doesn't. I mean, he said that. And and if he's willing to sit out, if they really do hold him against his will, uh, for for the entire for the rest of this year, and training camp starts, I think there's a pretty good chance he sits out. And if he, I'll say this: if Watson gets traded, this could be the start of something really big in in uh, in football, and it's something that's more akin to like the NBA and how the NBA how the NBA runs. And so this is this is very possible. Now here's the next question: Does he land with the 49ers? Do you guys have enough to give them? <laughs> you know, like that's the thing, uh, like because I know I know we've talked about this a little bit. You know they're not going to trade Boza. They're not going to trade. You know I don't know how many top unless you guys want to give the Texans your first round pick for the next ten years. Um, like I'm not sure exactly what kind of ammo the Niners have, but from Watson's perspective, like if I were him, I'd love to play for the Niners because you join the Niners and that's an unbeatable team, in my opinion. Um, I, I haven't really had the time to like go through like to my understanding, you know, the Jets and the Dolphins probably have the most draft capital and the most, you know, potential to give up. But I mean if the Niners can manage to do it, then look out everyone else, you know. According to reports, he has no interest in the Jets and he he thinks that the prospect of the 49ers is quote unquote intriguing. You know, whether there's any truth to that is really hard to tell because it's all just coming from, you know, unanimous or, or excuse me, um, unnamed sources. And so we've got to take it with a grain of salt. But uh, uh, the, in order for the Niners to get him, we talked about this earlier in the offseason when the offseason first began. Uh, the Niners need a third party, another team in order to make the trade possible because we don't have the draft capital. You know, the, I, I understand, you know, I there's a little bit of market, you know, value based on how the Jared Goff deal with Matt Stafford went down, but you also have to take in consideration that the reason why they gave up or why they overpaid for Matt Stafford is because they were also have to offset Jeff Gar- Jeff Gar- uh, Jared Goff's contract, which was the biggest reason why they overpaid, not because Matt Stafford's worth that, but because they had to they had to give up something that you know they had to pay a team in order to take on that contract. And so that that's that to me gives a little bit of caveat if you're on at the negotiating table for a Deshaun Watson because you can throw that out there. Um, that happens and that's all types of sales where there's nuances to certain sales versus a versus raising the bar and resetting the market. I don't necessarily see that because there is a little bit of nuance there with the Matt Stafford Jared Goff trade. That's a good point. I wonder if they would consider well, I don't, does Jimmy G have any money left on the books, or is he pretty much wrapped up in terms of his guaranteed money? He's more than double of the, against the salary cap than what Deshaun Watson's worth this season. So if they acquired Deshaun Watson, it would be less than half of what Jimmy G's cap hit is going to be. 
plus whoever else they would get rid of and, and to free up cap room. D Ford, I think, is at the top of that list. Let me ask you a question, Trevor. What do you what do you think is the biggest issue with Jimmy G? Like, are you are you as down on Jimmy G as a lot of other people are? No, I just don't. I don't know. I mean, he he's one of those. To me, he's kind of like an Alex Smith. Um, you know, perfectly talented quarterback, you know, very capable. He's just, he's a guy who can win under good circumstances, but can't, I don't believe can necessarily like kind of carry a team when he needs to, or really step up and push a team over the top. And it's like, I was, you know, it's like with the Rams when they had Goff. obviously Jimmy G is better than Goff, but when you, the rest of your team is that good and the quarterback is the one position that can kind of hold you back at times, that's, you know, that's an issue. Like if Jimmy G was on a different team, if he was on like the Jets or something or the Eagles, then we wouldn't be talking about Jimmy G at all because he'd be the best player on the team. But if he's the one who in certain situations can't step up and deliver and he's the quarterback, in my opinion, that's an issue you need to address sooner rather than later because who knows how long you're going to have the rest of your team for. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. I do like Jimmy G when he's healthy. I think for me, it, it my biggest concern with him is always durability. It's never not whether or not he's a capable quarterback. And I also think that had he played consistently for the last three years, every season, every game, we'd be looking at a completely different Jimmy G right now. Now, I'm not saying which direction we'd be seeing of Jimmy G. I'm not saying we'd be seeing a MVP level Jimmy G or a it's time to throw him off the boat and and you know get a new quarterback Jimmy G. That I don't know. But I think that the lack of consistency has made it very difficult for me as a fan to determine what what I think of Jimmy G. You know, like like and, and by inconsistency you mean health because that's really the one thing that hurts him the most i mean in terms statistically he was just as good as aaron Rodgers uh in 2019 they had almost identical numbers exactly it's his durability that's what it is you know and and we've seen many times that by playing stringing together consistent seasons it enables you to either get better or fail at football and you're going to do one of the two right and the guys that really the guys that really have it they're able to pull it off and when it comes to jimmy g i don't know if he has it I have no idea because he's never on the field. <laughs> we only had one season out of him so far. So, you know, um, but uh, but I, I, you know, he played great in 2019. He, his game against the Saints was monstrous, you know. Um, and But the only way you build you build consistency is by being on the field. And that's really my issue. Like I, people ask me all the time what I think about Jimmy G. Do I think he's good? Do I think he's bad? And I always say I have no idea. I, I, I've only seen the guy for one season. He's basically been hurt every other season for, you know, so I, I, don't, I have no idea. I have no idea what I have in my quarterback. You know, he could be great. He could not. I have no idea. Um, but, Do you think uh, they'll stay with him this year, this next year? If we're not going to go for this Watson trade, yes. Yeah, we're staying with him. And I'll be honest, I don't really care that Matt Stafford went to the Rams. I don't really care. Do you care? Do you think this is a big deal? I do. I, I know you and I have contrasting opinions, but again, it's like, if because I, I consider Stafford, even though he's had his issue with injuries, I consider him a considerable 
that's redundant. It's a redundant sentence. Consider him a considerable uh, upgrade over Jared Goff. And I think given how good the Rams' defense is, you know, their weapons, their running game, their coach, like, I mean, picture this. The Rams went to the playoffs last year despite losing to the Jets and losing to the Niners' practice squad twice. Like, if you think if, if Matt Stafford was there, they would have lost all of those games? Like, they probably would have won at least two of them. And then, I don't know if they would have beaten the Packers, but they wouldn't have gotten spanked by the Packers, you know? Um, I think he gives them, you know, um, a, a definite, you know, tangible step up, in my opinion. Ray, what do you think? I think Stafford can stretch the field better than Jared Goff. I think that's he's got a way larger um, resume that we can look to in order to draw those conclusions. Jared Goff, you know, Jared Goff to me is is limited. Uh, he's Jared Goff's only as good as the talent around him. He can't elevate the talent around him, whereas Matt Stafford actually elevates the talent around him in Detroit. I mean, even though he had Megatron, he had two bona fide number one wide receivers there to help keep things level too. But Matt Stafford also made big plays time in and time and again. He also, you know, he has a lot of fourth quarter comebacks throughout his career too. The really big issue that I have with him is health right now because he's getting to that age where the health is starting to catch up with him because he before used to be the guy. I mean, he played 16 games in like nine out of the last 10 seasons, which is great. But the last two years, he dealt with a back injury. Uh, this year, he dealt with a thumb, ribs, ankle. There's only a matter of time before that really, t- even though he played 16 games this past season, he had uh, the thumb, the ribs, and the ankle that really didn't, you know, he was, it was a half a Matt Stafford out there for more than one game when he was dealing with all those injuries and it just wasn't, wasn't a productive Matt Stafford, the type of Matt Stafford that was tough, that could play through injury most of his career. This was a Matt Stafford that looks like his body's starting to break down a bit and he's not able to sustain himself through injury the way he used to. And that's my biggest concern with him. It's not in terms of talent. He's still got a terrific arm and he's got, and he's going to be surrounded with the best talent he's ever had in his career. So as long as he can stay healthy, I think he'll be able to do pretty good things in Los Angeles I just don't know if it's going to be any good you know any better than golf getting to the Super Bowl yeah I don't necessarily know it was interesting though Vegas uh, the Rams have the third best odds now since the Matt Stafford trade we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see the, um, the Niners have a lot to say about this coming up uh, in September so yeah so we we, we shall see um, I, anyway anyways buddy my love for the Chiefs has returned I love the Chiefs again. It's it's a it the as you are but you are our brothers. I've always loved rooting for the Chiefs. I've, like I've said a million times, they always seem they're always kind of like two very similar brothers in 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 similar uh, obviously divisions. You're 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 AFC West. We're NFC West. The red uniforms. We have the gold. You have the yellow, and uh, and a lot of great trades. And the the goat, the Joe Montana. You know, both get shared. We both share Joe Montana. And, uh, I, you know, and he, he was, uh, he's still our greatest quarterback ever. And for the longest time he was your guys's too, which is, you know, that's a testament to him. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's, it'll be very, very, be very fun to root for you guys. Cause it would, it, it hurt to, to not root for you guys. It did hurt deep down. I was, I was, a I was a sad, bitter brother is what I was. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, I'm really looking forward to watching a healthy Niners next year. I think they're just gonna tear it up. Thank you. I think so too. The NFL is a better place when the Niners are healthy and competing. Yeah. 
Totally. Well, all right, gang. We will be back later on in the week. Obviously, we've got Warriors talk, more Niners talk. And uh, Raymond, I don't know if you saw this, Sergio Romo signed with the A's. I did see that. Nice little one-year pickup for Yeah, Oakland. nice little one-year pickup. A huge part of that the the middle of the Giants dynasty last, this past decade, that 2012, the, the 2012 win. He was a big part of. He was basically their closer for 2012. So it was nice to see Sergio Romo back in the Bay. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that uh, on this episode. But Trevor, thank you so much for coming on to the show, man. Good luck next year. I I have no doubt that we'll be seeing the Chiefs once again in the AFC Championship. And as long as you're in that top tier of two teams that are one win away from getting to the Super Bowl, Chances are pretty high that they'll go to three in a row, which would be insane, but would not surprise me. Going to three in a row, I think that you'd be only the third team ever to do that. I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's just it's just the Bills and the Patriots that have gone to three in a row. You know, so yeah. way in play, way in play. But uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, buddy. And uh, you got to come back on again very soon. For sure. Thank you guys so much for having me, both of you. It was great to see you. Great to talk. And, uh, yeah, hope you guys take care. Absolutely, buddy. Take care. This is, this is the Gold Cast. <laughs>